You've probably heard it all before, but this time, let Dr. Lanker connect the dots in a way that makes the Christian faith come alive. If Jesus is going to make all things new, how new is he going to make it? As we look at the book of Revelation, that's what Jesus wants to say. He wants to answer that question. He starts off in the first section, as we talked about in chapters 1 to 3, saying, hey, if I'm going to make everything new and I'm going to do some awesome stuff, let's start with where we're at right now. Can you trust me in this moment? And he says that to each one of these churches in Asia Minor. After saying that, John then goes ahead and records from chapter 4 to chapter 22 this larger vision. And this vision is a prophetic vision. If you didn't learn this or talk about it in your Old Testament survey classes, prophecy oftentimes we think of as a future event that's going to tell us what everything is going to happen. Prophecy does that at points, but its primary purpose is to help open our eyes to the present to begin to see things that we normally don't pay attention to so that when those things happen, we're aware of them. Because prophecy is always really preparation for the future, there have been three primary views that the church has gone to throughout its history in interpreting specifically chapter 4 to chapter 22. What is this talking about? Is this talking about something present? Is this talking about something in the near future? Or is this talking about something way, way in the future? Those are views that have been wrestled with throughout the entire church history. So as you read through, I encourage you to read some commentaries. I can only give you an overview of this. This is probably one of the most debated parts of Scripture. Read some commentaries. Look into the preterist view. Look look into the futurist view. Look at these different ways of interpreting the book of Revelation and trying to understand what it's all about. As you do, I want you to understand that there are key scenes. In chapters 4 to 5, what's going to be unpacked is this heavenly court. And just like in our courts today, there's a listening to all that's gone on and then a judgment. This is what's going to be done about it. And whatever the judge's terms are, that's how everything's going to play out because they have all authority. And that's exactly what we see in chapter 4 and 5. What comes in this vision is that the world's messed up. And I think all of us would agree with this and go, hey, you know what? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. At the same time that is shown, there's also a viewpoint that is shown that there is this this, uh, purpose in God's work, and it's to make his kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And so chapter 4 and 5 kind of sets the background and the framework for what's going to be talked about in the rest of this prophecy, that yes, the world is messed up. But God just isn't going to condemn it. He is going to bring an end to that brokenness, and he's also going to bring an establishment of his kingdom. The way he's going to do that is he's going to do it through seven judgments or seven applications of how he's going to fix it. And these seven applications are called the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowls. 
Now, these seals, trumpets, and bowls are what are called telescopic interactions. So that what happens is that seven seals are opened up, and these seals are these pieces of wax that have been put onto a scroll so that it can only be opened by the person who has the authority to open it. And so on the seventh seal, it opens up this final document, and what is inside this final document is seven trumpets. Trumpets were used as this statement of the king is coming, the king is going to enter into his, uh, his kingdom, he's going to sit on his throne, he's going to take all full authority. And in these seven trumpets, as they unfold, on the seventh trumpet, the seventh blast of this horn, it opens up these seven bowls. And bowls were used as ways to be able to enter into worship of the gods and to be able to purify this temple, to be able to purify this work of the kingdom so that everything is the way that it needs to be and everything has been cleansed so that the king can take his rightful place on the throne and there's nothing left to do. That's what you'll find in each one of those sections. The judgment of the seven seals is this statement of, hey, here are the things that God wants. The seven trumpets talk about here is this king who is going to establish his rightful rule. Even though there's rebellion, there are his people, and they will live with him, and they will fight with him, and they will be with him in his kingdom establishment. And finally, the seven bowls, where God's wrath is unleashed as a cleansing of this brokenness, which finally leads to the fall of Babylon which is a figure of speech to uh, this city of unrighteousness that stands against God. It goes all the way back to the very beginning because the Tower of Babel set, sets itself up against God and says, we will reach the heights, we will be like God, which has been the problem with humanity. And this is the final destruction of all mankind's prideful arrogance that says we will be like God. After this destruction of Babylon, there's the final judgment and finally the eternal kingdom where there is made a new heaven and a new earth. There is no longer any sin. Everything is finally made the way that it needs to be. Now, as you read through this, you're going to come to this concept of this millennium. Now, there's three different views. One is the post-millennial view that, that Jesus is going to return after the millennium is over. And essentially, the millennium is going on right now. And what the, rule, uh, what the role of Christians is, is to gradually Christianize the world. Once the world is Christianized, that's when Jesus comes and establishes his, his eternal kingdom. The amillennial view is a view that is there isn't a literal millennium. It's just, it's just a time period where, where God rules and reigns in the hearts of believers until he decides, you know what? Hey, I, I'm going to make things right, and I'm going to do it now. The last one is the premillennial view, that Christ is going to return at the end of what's called the tribulation. To, dis to establish his millennial kingdom for literally a thousand years on the earth, and that all the events are being fulfilled in this time. This is the view that was held throughout the early church and for the last 150 years. That's only about 200 years total. 
the post-millennial and amillennial views are the views that have been held for the greatest amount of time throughout church history. Keep that in mind as you read through the book of Revelation and try to interpret and try to understand what God is saying to us about what he is doing not only in the present, but what he plans to do in the future. I hope that as we've gone through this, that you've been able to see God in a fuller and deeper way, that you've been able to understand the point and the purpose of his church, and that in seeing all of this, it's called you to a response to where you really want to live into this, to not just know about God, to live life with him today, tomorrow, and forevermore.